Guys, if you haven't checked up on our social media recently, what have you been doing? I'm at Nick Hardwick, and Jamie is at Jamie.Hardwick. That's J-A-Y-M-E with a period and then Hardwick, which is not to be confused with the other Jamie Hardwick, who I tagged a little while ago on Instagram, and she notified me that uh, you may want to get this straight, bud. Your wife may be pissed at you. That earned me the worst husband of the week award. Sorry, babe. Anyway, you guys know that Lose Like Alignment is going off. I'm sure you've seen some of the ads circulating. Hundreds of men now are losing staggering amounts of weight on a daily basis. It's been so awesome to see. And, of course, I had no idea that life would turn into this for me or for us. I just had to get the information out of my head, share it with others, see if it could help people reclaim their lives. And, lo and behold, it has. And I am just really grateful to be a part of this amazing team And the most fulfilling thing for me and the program is the weekly interactions that we get through the accountability network. So sign up for that. It is awesome to get personal connections and have conversations and get to understand who people are, what their challenges are, and assist on a very personal basis on a weekly basis. So as this was all going on, we're getting crazy amounts of requests from the ladies wondering if this program is good for them too. And for me, I said, sure, yeah, it is. And But really, since the beginning, I've tried to get Jamie to give my plan a try, and she would try it for a day or two, and then basically tell me it wasn't for her. And finally, listening to the requests on social media and through email for a female version, and then getting some feedback back from females who were actually in the program and taking that into account And then asking and not telling Jamie what can make this plan work for her and for other females, she went, took the parts from the men's program that she liked, modified it to accommodate the female body and your guys' individual preferences, and gave it a try. And I tread lightly saying this to her. Thankfully, she's not around right now. But it's been super cool watching her own this program. She has gained control back over the food, has reset her hunger cues, and has lost the weight she's been trying to lose really forever. I know. I Believe me, I don't think she has anything to lose either, but still, she's getting to a place where she feels great about her body, and that is important. In fact, I just get out of the bathroom, and she says, I've lost this weight, but Nick, I've lost an inch off of my waist. She's taking measurements. So we sent the adjustments back to our design team, and voila, the Lose Like a Lady program is born. We would love for you guys to join the team. If you want to know more, All food preferences and eating styles work within the framework we provide in both the men's and the women's program. We do provide body weight only workouts and daily activities known as every hour on the hour exercises, EHO. But guess what? As we tell everyone, the exercise is the least important component of the plan. It's not required to lose weight. If you don't want to exercise or you've got your own form of exercise that you would rather do, do that. We are never going to discourage that. This program will help you figure out what works best for you. You're going to learn appropriate caloric loads for the day and per meal. You're going to learn how to match your caloric intake with daily activity levels. You're going to break free from the having to eat a meal every three-hour cycle. It really is an incredibly empowering experience. Also, the program helps build healthy self-care habits that make the program sustainable for life. And it's wonderful when you figure out that the more you take care of yourself, the healthier, the easier it is to make good choices when it comes to food, when it comes to exercise. And the best part about the program that a lot of people find is 
it's four weeks on and two weeks off of the plan. That is what we call a diet break. How many programs encourage you to not do the diet? We do that. So you're going to build trust with yourself. You're going to take the skills you learned and you're going to put them to test in the real world. The whole process, it's incredibly empowering. When you reclaim your health, you really do reclaim your life. Join our teams. Sign up at hardwick.life. It's like hardwick.com, but hardwick.life. And use the code PODCAST20 for 20% off the order. And by the way, you can use that code forever on anything site-wide forever. And we want you to know that we're here for you. You can email me directly at nick at nickhardwick.com. I, I do. I get back to everybody. Try it. Try me. I'll get back to you. Uh, anything you have. Show recommendations, any questions, any support, any criticism. We're here for that. Throw everything my way. You need help modifying this program to suit your particular needs? All you got to do is ask. We've helped hundreds of people make this program work in their lives, and you can too. All right, guys. Back to the show. Check it out. Hardwick.life, podcast 20 for 20% off, and we hope to see you on the network soon. Love you guys. Thank you. All right, guys. Welcome to the RD's RX with Casey Thomas. You like that name, Casey? You love it. <laughs> yeah. Casey Thomas, RD, performance nutritionist for UCLA basketball and the resident registered dietitian for the Hardwick Life team. Casey, you put on an awesome four-part series to help people control their night cravings. There were so many helpful tips from that. Several that really stuck out to me was the concept of the rule of 30s, the protein leverage hypothesis, and the human tendency to eat a certain weight of food daily, regardless of what that food consists of. Let's start with the rule of 30s. Explain that and how it helps us control food later in the day. Okay, so there's a little bit of background with this uh, that I have to cover to make it make sense. But if you look at the most important macronutrient for life for humans, it's protein. You can live a long life without any carbs. So for life purposes, I would argue that carbohydrates are the least important macronutrient. Uh, With fats, we do have some fats that are essential. And if you go on a no fat diet, completely zero fat, you will slowly starve and you'll enter what's actually called rabbit starvation, which got its term because there was some uh, forest, you know, Indians or Native Americans who uh, for periods of time would have to depend on rabbits as their sole means of survival. And rabbit is very lean. There's basically no fat on it. Um, and what you see is if you're basically on a no fat diet, you get really, really bad symptoms within about a week. You get like diarrhea, headache, discomfort. And the really interesting thing is that you will look, you can literally eat until your stomach is like completely distended, but you're going to feel ravenous still. You're going to be wanting to keep eating and eating and eating, despite the fact that your stomach's ready to explode. And, uh, some of our military manuals will actually warn you against, relying in arctic regions on only rabbit as survival you need to like start hunting other sources of protein because you need those fat um and you know like i said before we do have some essential fats uh which means that your body can't make them themselves you have to get it from the diet so fats are intermediate but proteins are the most important uh if you go on a zero protein diet you will 
die the quickest, uh, which is kind of a morbid way to look at it, but <laughs> um, it's the most important one. Um, and so the theory, the protein leverage hypothesis theory basically says uh, humans were built to survive and we are built to get cues that ensure our survival. And so the theory says, you know, protein is the most important. And so basically your body is going to keep telling you to eat in a given day uh, until you hit the amount of protein that your body needed for that day, regardless of how many calories you consume. Okay. And so basically what that means is you're going to go until you hit your protein cap in a day. Um, and if you're eating a lot of low protein foods, then it's going to take a lot more total food to hit that protein cap than if you eat a bunch of high protein foods. And you should know that every single food basically has protein in it. <laughs> um, the only foods that don't have any protein in it are, are ultra processed foods like your oils and your sugars and, and those kind of things. So your body can keep picking up protein by eating, you know, things like rice, even though there's very, very little protein in rice. Um, and so one thing that I like to tell people is like, I challenge you to pick up a piece of, you know, plain boiled chicken with no seasoning on it. And, uh, you know, no skin, no flavor and see how much of that you can realistically eat. Cause I guarantee you, it's not only going to, you know, I mean, it's not super palatable, obviously, but your body is actually going to start giving you some feedback cues and telling you like, I don't need any more. This is just so much pure protein. Um, and when you compare foods across the board, you see that proteins have a very high satiety index. Uh, they're one of the most filling foods, um, out there. So basically this, this, uh, theory came from all of this stuff that I just told you. Um, you know, it's got a high satiety value. It's the most important macronutrient for life. Um, so the rule of 30 is just something that, you know, I don't even know where it came from, but it's something that I've implemented with success. Um, is just the idea that you should try to have 30 grams of protein, uh, within 30 minutes of waking up. Um, and the reason why 30 grams and not say 10 grams or five or, you know, whatever, uh, there, there is a number in the literature which says that in order to maximally turn on, you know, all of the chemical and, you know, building processes that your body wants to do, you need about a minimum of say 20 to 25 grams, depending on, uh, you know, your body size. And so most, most research studies, if you know, like, you know, your protein powders, most of them give you a scoop of protein. That's either 20, 25 grams. Um, this number is kind of widely recognized in the field. Um, but if you go to the science, the actual number is about 0.4 grams per kilogram of fat-free mass. So actually, if you have like a really, really big dude, um, that number is insufficient. You need more than that. And if you have a really tiny person, it could actually be, you know, as low as 15 grams. So we, you know, uh, the, the number, the rule of 30 was picked mainly to kind of cover everybody. And because of the high satiety value, because it's the most important, um, you know, you can try to take advantage of that to prevent your body from still seeking more protein in the evening time because you hit it all already in the morning time. Gotcha. Or in the Brilliant. first half. <laughs> so the 0.4 grams per kilogram of fat-free mass was to <laughs> initiate what again? So if you hit this amount, this, uh, without, I mean, I have to get a little bit sciencey here, but, uh, okay. the, there's something called, you know, like, uh, 
the leucine threshold hypothesis, which is intimately related to this, which basically says that if you say a hundred grams of protein, um, you're not going to see any further increase in muscle protein synthesis or growth signaling pathways compared to, you know, say that 25 grams. Okay. And that's not strictly true. There's, there's situations where your body can absorb more protein. Um, it's always taking the nutrients out of it. It just might not be using them for pure anabolism. It might be using it for energy, for example. Gotcha. And um, that's per meal. I get that question. Yeah. Per meal. That's per on meal. a per meal basis. And, okay. Yeah. And so how you might define that is like an isolated eating incident, uh, separated usually by about like four hours between the, the next one. Um, okay. They've done uh, studies where it's like they put you on a protein drip, you know, or it's like, okay, I'll give you one gram of protein every other minute or something like that. And that doesn't turn on the signaling in your body for any sort of growth um, compared to having a single bolus dose of like, you know, 25 grams of protein does. Okay. So that that's kind of where, where that idea is coming from. <laughs> um, right. And so, so that, you need that, that opens point. up a, that opens up yeah. a whole nother rabbit hole of questions that we'll get to in later post. Yeah, this goes into probably one of my favorite topics, which is like circadian rhythms and all of that, um, you know, and meal timing. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to derail us too much, but what, what was the, <laughs> the, the, sorry, what, where do you want to go with this after, after that information on protein leverage hypothesis? No, no, no. I think that was tremendous. I think eventually, I mean, you could get into like intermittent fasting, getting protein levels, being able to, we'll get to that, I think on later vlogs, but one point that you made was in in your writing was about eating a certain amount of weight daily, regardless of what that food consists of and how that can really help us moderate our calorie consumption through the day. Okay. So I really like this one because this is a really interesting observation. Um, and it, it is kind of general, right? There's a lot of exceptions to this. Uh, and I hate, I hate prefacing that. But in general, people will tend to eat the same weight and volume of food in a given day. Uh, it gets, it starts getting a little bit murky when you start trying to define what a food is and isn't. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, do you count smoothies? Do you count broths? Do you count, you know, uh, a lot of, the, a lot of these kind of things. Um, so if, if I'm going to limit this discussion, I want to say, you know, the solid food that you consume. Um, I'm not going to count the liquids, even though liquids can have calories and things like that. Um, but you know, that's, that's part of the reason why liquid calories are a problem is because your body's not really recognizing it as a, as a solid dose of food. Um, and they tend to have very minimal satiety, which is why you can chug a two liter of soda and still be hungry. <laughs> not that I do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe you've yeah. done it a couple of times. <laughs> um, so, uh, there's a really, really good researcher in this field. Um, her name is Rolls, R-O-L-L-S, and she's published a lot of research with regards to energy density. And energy density is just the idea of how much, how many calories does a given weight of food provide? And you can just look at your nutrition labels and you can see, you know, the serving might say 100 grams and it might provide 200 calories. So in that instance, you would take the amount of calories and you divide it by the weight and you would have your energy density. And so with this, uh, there are these categories that you can bring up low energy dense foods and high energy dense foods. And so from this, from this research, what we have seen is that because people tend to eat the same weight of food in a given day, 
if you're picking foods that have a low energy density, so it's in other words, you know, uh, for example, a vegetable, you know, a, a thing of broccoli, a head of broccoli has, you know, 10 calories, if that, but it occupies a huge space in your stomach. And, you know, it could be two pounds of broccoli that you ate and it's, you know, 10 calories. And you compare that to say eating, you know, chugging a bottle of oil, which if you chug two pounds of oil, you know, that would be the equivalent of like, uh, 18,000 calories or something like that. Um, so, so the research has shown that if you do two things, one, if you increase consumption of low calorie dense foods and two, decrease consumption of high calorie dense foods that you can, or sorry, energy dense, um, mm -hmm. that you can promote weight loss in people and they won't even realize that they're starting to lose uh, weight or that they're dieting. So like, they're going to feel full, they're going to feel satiated. Um, they're going to spontaneously lose weight just because they're consuming less calories. Um, but they're not going to notice it, which is good because everyone who enters on a diet, you know, they tend to, uh, feel hungry, get hangry, uh, you know, start looking sideways at, you know, their neighbor's meals and things like that. What can I pick off of that? Um, but when you do this strategy, you basically feel fine. You don't even really notice that you're dieting. Um, so it's, it's a great strategy to implement if you're looking to lose weight, but do it sustainably. Um, and I, I mean, I could give you the different thresholds for the different, um, energy densities. I don't know if that's practical or not, but, um, <laughs> if you that's kind of the, the thought on it. So yeah, if, if you think it's practical, it's practical, but you know, for so, most people, yeah, if, if people want to calculate it, um, again, going back to the, the roles researcher, she's basically broken it up into several categories. Um, there's a category of what they call free foods. Um, and these have an energy density of less than 0 0.6. And so again, that means the amount of calories it provides per gram. So if you divided, you know, hundred calories by hundred grams, you'd have an energy density of one. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so our free foods are less than 0 0.6 and those are typically, you know, your vegetables and your very watery foods, um, that, that have uh, very low energy density. Uh, next we have like our low energy density, which is basically 0 0.6 to 1.5. Uh, this should be, you know, basically like the core of your diet should be in this range. And then you have, you know, what you call like your medium energy density foods, which are 1.6, I believe, all the way up to four. Um, these ones, you, you kind of have to start watching and keeping an eye on. And then you have your high energy dense foods, which are basically from four all the way up to nine, uh, nine basically representing a pure fat. And those should be managed for sure. Um, you should make sure you're aware of these foods that you're consuming with a very high energy density and make sure that you're being very mindful of it. Um, and again, these tend to be your very high fat foods. I have nothing against fats in general, but it definitely starts adding some sneaky calories when people tell me, oh, you know, I just had a chicken salad, but they forgot to mention that it's drizzled in, you know, like a full cup of uh, like ranch dressing. Yes. Um, and then all, all of a sudden, you know, it doesn't feel like you've eaten anymore because of the ranch it might taste great, but you've added an extra like 600 calories and the salad was maybe 200 calories. Right. So, you know, um, that, that kind of thing. That's great. We'll post that the free foods, the low, the medium density and the high density and kind of the watch list, a lot, a link to some of those foods and what people should kind of be leery of where the core of their diet should come from. So Casey, as always, buddy, thank you. That was fantastic. No problem. I love it. <laughs>
Anytime. All right, guys. We're, hey, we're both here to help. Reach out with any questions that you got. I'm Nick at NickHardwick.com, and Casey is CaseyThomasRD at gmail.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S-R-D at gmail.com. Casey, awesome stuff, buddy. Thank you. No problem.